0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen? The name of the show is Politics On My Mind, and I'm the host, Troy Griffith. Let's get the show started. It's going to be a good one.
1: All of you know who I am.
0: Yeah, what's popping, ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning to Politics On My Mind, I am the host Troy Griffith, this is episode 236, if you would like to listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, you could do so on the Apple Podcast app, the Google Podcast app, just go into that search bar, type in Politics On My Mind, hit that subscribe button, if you would like to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can do so at Politics On My MND, once again, Politics on my MND. The website is politicsonmymind.com. Once again, politicsonmymind.com. Today is Monday, February 7th, 2022, and welcome to Politics for the Hip Hop Generation. What's popping, ladies and gentlemen? What's going on? You know, it's a pandemic. Keep wearing your mask, keep your distance. Wash your hands, all that good stuff to keep you and your family safe. If you've made it this far and you have not contracted COVID and your family has not contracted COVID, you're doing everything correctly. Keep doing it. And we all will get out of this together. I remember I told um, I had told one of my homies, I was like, yo, everyone that came into this, we all going to leave out to together. You know what I mean? And I know some people have passed away. I get it. Um, I'm not discounting their lives. However, I am saying continue to remain safe. And we have to remember some people lost their lives uh, before we had a vaccine. So I just want to put that out there. I have a special guest today. Her name is Adrian Davis. She's running for Charles County Circuit Judge here in the state of Maryland. And uh, I'm going to welcome her to the episode in a minute. Her website is adriandavisforjudge.com. Again, Adrian Davis for judge.com. Adrian is spelled A D R I E N N E D A V I S, the number four judge, J U D G E.com. Check her out. Um, I hope you enjoyed the interview. Uh, Before I get there, I want to say, as always, everything I say, I am responsible for. The candidates that come on this show, they're doing so because they entrust me with their message and they trust that I am not going to railroad them in any kind of way. Uh, That's not something they tell me. That's something that, you know, as the saying goes, everything that's understood don't need to be explained. So anything I say, um, please do not take that out on Adrian or her campaign. Understand that I am responsible for this show, for what I say. So I I just always want to reiterate that point because it's very important that if you're listening to this show and there's anything you disagree with, you do not take it out on the people who are uh, committing a public service time and, you know, trying to give back to their community and you take that out on them by not giving them your vote because you heard something that I said that you disagree with. So if you can uh, understand that, hold it again to me. Uh, and, you know, I just wanted to say that if this is your first time tuning in, Check the, check the Twitter out. You know, it's politics on my MND, and that's on Twitter. Um, I have one more episode left in the podcast. I've been doing this for six years. Uh, I have one more episode, uh, today's episode, and Valentine's Day episode is the last episode after six years. So uh, just continue following me, following the podcast. I said follow me. Follow the podcast on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure I'll stay still doing things politically. It's just that that Twitter is going to become... My voice instead of thinking like politically, like I always got to do what I'm posting or retweeting or commenting. I don't comment a lot. I got to get better at that. Like, I, like if I comment like other people will see me. See the name, and then I guess, like, that's how you get. I don't know. The social media thing is not me, but without further ado, I say all that to say Adrian Davis, uh, candidate for Charles County, Maryland Circuit Judge. Here goes. I'm speaking with Adrian Davis. She's running for Charles County Judge, and that's a countywide position in the state of Maryland. Adrian, thank you for joining me for this episode.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Troy, and thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Oh, most definitely uh you know as we start i want to say shout out to carlos Childs. he kind of connected us he was a, a two-time guest on the show and you know i've encountered and encountered him a couple times uh pretty cool guy so he kind of connected us to do this interview so i want to give credit where credit is due to him
1: and i would like to also thank mr Childs. um he and i have conversed on a few occasions and you're absolutely right he is a good person and um a wonderful candidate also here in Charles
0: County. I don't know about a good person. No, I'm joking. Carlos is cool. Carlos is cool. Um, Adrian, you're running for, as I mentioned, you're running for county judge in uh Charles County um th- did you grow up in Charles County and usually what I like to ask guests and it's it's kind of weird to ask a judge you know most people that are on the show they are running for like a district but it's kind of uh, uh it's kind of a, a difficult question to ask a judge like did you grow up in the county because uh, um you know it could be yes, it could be no, but however, uh, you know, what it was like growing up in that county or just living in that county. Some people may not have grown up in the county they're running for. I believe I had that with a previous guest. So what it was mm-hmm. like um, grow, uh, just, just residing in, in Charles County. Let Let some people know who are listening, who may not be from the state, you know, and know what it's like to... Uh, be there?
1: Uh, well, firstly, I grew up upstate New York, a small town called Poughkeepsie, and it's in Dutchess County, New York. And I transitioned to Maryland upon going to college, particularly Morgan State in Baltimore. Ultimately ended up in Maryland when I began working here and going to law school here. You know, I've been in Charles County for quite some time now, and it's been a great place where me and my husband live. I enjoy the diversity here. I enjoy talking to the citizenry and I enjoy being very active here. I have my own law practice here and um, it's just been a great place to just to to reside. Um, I've just enjoyed it. Like I indicated my law practice here is Davis Law and Mediation and um, so I have an opportunity to interact with the residents as well as just socially and more importantly, just giving back to the community. In various ways.
0: I'm super familiar with Poughkeepsie. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. So I definitely like, I I know. Poughkeepsie, right? It's like one of those places get a lot of snow type thing, you know, so <laughs> definitely. um, You mentioned you have your own law practice. Like, did you start that from scratch? And is it still, obviously you've been doing it for, you know, over two decades. Uh, Is it a start from scratch situation? Because having worked with attorneys myself, a lot of times I know they go out on their own, they start a firm and it's like their office is their living room. They have like two or three clients. Um, Years ago, I feel like this is This is like, you know, post-recession. So this had to be 2009, 2010. Um, Mm -hmm. At the time, like, you know, quote, unquote, being young, um, I was, I saw this woman, she was standing on the corner and she was everyone that would pass by. I was a little offended, but then as time went on, I realized I was like, this young lady was just trying to get a client so she can, you know, get some experience. She, she was standing there with her briefcase her suit on a corner. Uh, a mm-hmm. dc superior court about i want to say about a quarter mile away from the court and anyone mm-hmm. who would pass and she was doing it to young black man anyone who passed she would say do you need a lawyer and like i said i was offended i'm like why are you looking at me but as time went on i realized you have to get your start somewhere so di- did you how did you start that out your own law firm is it and where is it now compared to when you first started
1: um, well, first, I started my. I've been practicing law in the state of Maryland for 25 years, approximately. Well, 25 years this uh, June, and I've had my own practice in the county for approximately 10 years now. And I um, got started. My um, really because my husband encouraged me to start my own practice, and as the name of my practice is Davis Law and Mediation LLC, and. I began to uh, talk to people and let them know that um, I've started my practice. I've been blessed because a lot of times the Charles County court system uh, refers cases to me because I represent children in divorce cases. So I get a lot of uh, cases from the um, Southern Maryland court system, particularly Charles County Circuit court. Um, I get a lot of cases uh, based on referrals And also, I've been blessed because when you do excellent work for people, they tell other people and they come back to you. And, um, Troy, if you don't mind, I can let people know the type of uh, work that I do inside my practice, if that's okay.
0: This, This is about you, not about me. Go for it. Okay,
1: great. Thank you. Well, um, I was a former prosecutor in Prince George's County, and now I'm a criminal defense attorney, so I do handle criminal cases. Um, I review contracts. I represent children in uh, custody cases, so that's cool. being a guardian ad litem. Um, I've been asked to handle uh, probate cases in Prince George's County, particularly as it pertains to Uh, probate matters and and mediating cases. See, I've also served as a mediator for 17 years, a divorce mediator. So I get outside clients asking me to help in divorce matters. The court systems will contract with me, particularly Charles County again, um, with respect to handling custody cases in in terms of mediation. That's the nuts and bolts of my practice. I don't know if I've said I've done wills, power of attorneys and medical advanced medical directives. So that's the nuts and bolts of my my practice. And so um, I'm saying all this to say mainly that I've been blessed because my practice has expanded um, because of the the excellent work I try to provide people that come to my office for
0: assistance. You know, Charles County as, you know, Charles County residents, it sounds as if they're going to gain a very They're going to be very beneficial with you because you've been doing this for a while. You have all the grounds covered because a Charles County Circuit judge, the position you're uh, running for, they will cover everything for felony tax laws, right? So, or or should Mm -hmm. I say tax violations? The, The groundwork that you've done is really preparing you for that. But we'll get to that in a minute. You mentioned you used to be a prosecutor, and I used to work in the prosecutor's office. And as I mentioned, in um dc previously I, I do not work there anymore obviously because i can't be talking about government stuff however um, uh, i remember i used to run into this officer when i worked there and you know we cordial let's say his name is john i would be like what's up john did it you know talk how's it going you know just casually talking and then one day i saw like he had a suit on and i was like and he had a briefcase and i was like you got court he was like, nah, I'm actually a prosecutor now. I was like, wait, I said, and I, and I, excuse me, excuse me, uh, forgive me. I, he said, no, I'm a defense attorney now. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, you know, I always wanted to do this, but I said, let me be a police officer first so I can get the other side of things. And mm-hmm. I, I hate to put it like other side because... Either way, I had, um, uh, Bianca Ford on, she's a former federal prosecutor and her and I work closely, um, have a very cordial relationship and, you know, you know, people think to think to think of a, tend to think of a prosecutor's office as just a prosecuting criminals. They're actually protecting victims as well. So uh, the other side (laughs) thing is kind of like a misnomer, right? So when you mentioned you used to work at the prosecutor's office and now you're a defense attorney, um, mm-hmm. what perspective did the prosecutor's office give you that you now use as a, as an attorney um, now?
1: Well, it, it's an interesting question that you asked, and it's a good question. I think as a prosecutor, you know, when you hear when you hear in cases and you actually um, prosecute individuals, you also get a chance to, as a criminal defense attorney, I get a chance to now see the other side. And so experiencing both sides with respect to representing people it gives me quite an advantage as a criminal defense attorney when I get on the bench, because I get a chance to, I know what is likely the is going to argue, I know what the law is. And I know what the issues are, oftentimes by looking at the statement of charges. When it comes to the the, the fact that, so, and I hope you realize that each case is different. Each case must be handled differently. I think it's very important to um, listen carefully to what's being argued by both sides, and just be fair, and render just decisions. So I think it's allowed me to be very open-minded in terms of being able to know what both sides are going to argue and, and, to, um, and to make a fair disposition um, accordingly with respect to each case that comes before me. And, and Troy, I wanted to say this too also, I was explained everything that I did in my practice. There's a couple of things I forgot to say. I've handled quite a few things. I also represent parents who are accused of neglect, neglecting and abusing their children. Um, and the public defenders office will contract with me too with um respect to conflict cases. And so I get cases from the Office of the Public Defender here in Charles County. And I've been asked to handle cases in Calvert County also by the Office of the Public Defender. So um, I just wanted to add that to it. Thank you.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because I was, um th- that was actually the next question in my head. I said, you know, for those who are not familiar, you said, you know, in divorce cases, you represent children. And for those who don't understand what a guardian, guardian ad litem is, just uh, just give us a a brief breakdown of a guardian guardian ad litem.
1: I sure will, Joy. Uh, Usually in custody, especially high conflict custody cases, um, you know, we don't like bringing children into the courthouse to, to testify. It's it's a horrible experience for children that we even have to go through when their parents are are, uh, divorcing and and, or even if they're not just divorcing there's just a custody battle and so what will happen is the court will try to find a uh, an attorney who's willing to serve as a guardian ad litem to be the voice of the child or children Um, because sometimes what happens is there's more than one a child in a family. So I will represent the children in a family. And these are, like I said, these are usually high conflict cases in terms of the parents are battling for custody and what i do is i represent the children and i have and i represent their voice in the process i meet with the child i visit the homes of both parents and there's so many other factors that i consider in terms of um, what the custody agreement should be with respect to each parent i give a recommendation to the court and i'm blessed to say that um, the courts, meaning the judges, almost always take my recommendation because they know I'm trying to be fair and uh, impartial when it comes to making a recommendation for the ch- child or children on their behalf.
0: Obviously, because, you know, being seven years old, it's hard to put in words that, you know, it's it's like unfair to make a seven year old decide which parent I want to be with versus yeah. a 15 year old. It's like you know what, me and dad have a better relationship, or me and mom have a better relationship. For a seven-year-old, um, you know, it's just, you, you need a bird's-eye view, and I, I'm arguing that's what the guardian ad litem is, a bird's-eye view to say, hey, look at this parent, this parent works, uh, you know, 12 hours per day, this parent has a nine-to-five, this parent lives in a home with, you know, three or four other people who are not related to him, this parent has their own home, so I, am I picking up on that right? Correctly?
1: Yes, and, and what we do there's a there's a term court called, called considered judgment, and you have to consider the judgment of the child, and and of course uh, a a four month old child doesn't have a real he can't not have a say. By the way, but that's why I uh, sit down and talk to children, and and they don't necessarily I don't have to take their advice on what they want to do because. Um, Like I said, I consider the judgment of the child, but ultimately, um, I have to make a decision what I think is in the best interest of the child. That's the legal standard. And I tell my clients who are the children. I can, uh, re- I have to represent to the court what you'd like, but ultimately the court is going to be reliant upon me to make the decision to present to the court or make the recommendation, I should say. And it is likely they'll follow my recommendation. So tr- tr- you're absolutely right. Um, some children may have different or varying reasons as to why they want to um, be with a particular parent. Sometimes parents will coach their ch- child. And that's where uh, my wisdom has to come into play. My wisdom has to come into play to, to uh, determine whether the child has been coached and determine, more importantly, what's in the best interest of the child when I devise a custody agreement to recommend to the court.
0: We'll get into the judgeship. And, you know, I just wanted to give people a background because, uh, you know, well, let me back up real quick. So we we spoke about all of that and myself in my pr- professional life, I'm a paralegal and yeah. you know par- the the legal staff has actually you know they they kind of prop up attorneys, they prop up judges, right? And I've heard you know, my whole career, I've done it all. I've worked at law firms, um I've I've worked under attorneys or alongside attorneys and I've heard you're not a real paralegal. And I'm like, okay, so I wasn't a real paralegal at the law firm that we did law, right? Okay. Worked at a prosecutor's office. I'm not a real paralegal. Like I've heard these things and sometimes the legal staffs get real diminished, but I'm sure that, you know, whether it was a legal secretary, legal assistant, paralegal um, interns, they come and let's remember across this country, most interns work for free. I'm sure the yeah. legal staff has lent to much of your career as well.
1: Sure, you're absolutely right. And you know, I can even take this time, I want to take this time to say thank you to the legal staff, to um, the administrative staff, everyone over the years of my 25-year experience to help me get to where I am, because you're absolutely right. They have been advantageous, and um, you know I, they make up a, a large part of an attorney's work. Because if you don't have good people or good assistants I should say around you, it's very difficult to be an excellent lawyer. Um, and so I've tried also one of the things I've tried to do is as an attorney we have legal staff around me, you know I, I'll take an administrative assistant, I try to gr- bring out the best in them in terms of their skills and um, and help groom them to their destiny what what prepared for them. Um, I had one legal assistant, um, one administrative assistant, tell me, "You've been an excellent lawyer to work for. No other lawyer, over all her legal experience, has told her how well organized she keeps the attorney." And she said, "You really showed me that I'm an organized person, and that's my that's my gifting in life." So I think it's a two way street. They, my assistants, have helped me. My paralegals, administrative assistants, and I try to help them also to be the best that they can be in life. So you're right; they, they're they're a crucial part of making up an attorney.
0: You're you're right about that because one of the attorneys I worked alongside in the prosecutor's office, um, you know, before I left there, uh, you know, I told her I was like, you were the first attorney that took the time out like she would get a case. And she would come from arraignment, sit down with me and say, Troy, this is what happened in arraignment. And this is what this guy did. Read this file and made me become very familiar with the case. And, you know, Mm -hmm. from from arraignment to all the way to sentencing, all the way through the case, she had me follow her. She was one of the she was the only attorney that had me sit in a trial with her. I feel like it lasted a week and it should have lasted like two or three days. But there was a translator So, you know, it doubled the time in doing everything because uh, I believe the defendant was a a non-English speaking. So, however, uh, I told her, I was like, thank you. And it's so true. When you have a legal staff and you incorporate them in your cases, it makes you better because you can, you can pick up the phone, which you've done often and say, Hey, Troy, you know, that Smith case, can you do this for me? And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm familiar with it from top to bottom. So definitely. But that brings me over to, because, you know, people probably listening now, are like I thought she was running for judge. Yes. We have to lend the background in order to get to the judgeship. What brings mm-hmm. you to, you know, decide to run for Charles County, um, you know, circuit court judge in the state of Maryland. What brought you to this decision? Uh, is this your first time running? Uh, you know, so what brought you here?
1: What are the reasons? This is one of the reasons why I'm running to become a judge. Is I, I think it's for me somewhat of a natural progression because I am a. I see myself as a public servant. Um, I, I've practiced law in the state of Maryland for 25 years. And I want to bring uh, my experience to the bench here in Charles County to be able to make a difference. Um, when I bring up my experience, I, like I indicated, I was a former prosecutor. I've handled um, you know, from misdemeanors to juvenile cases, narcotic cases, and um, I've handled major crimes such as felonies, sex offenses, robberies, and even homicides. And then when I went to after I uh, was a prosecutor in Prince Georges County I went to the office of law where I did personnel law contract law and civil litigation and and then after that I started my uh, practice and uh, I indicated to you earlier that it's been for two years and I told you all the in things that I've done in my private practice. So I think my experience makes me very well qualified and helps me to be able to make a difference on the bench. That's one of the things, reasons why I've decided to run. And another reason why um, I decided to run is there's, I want to uh, have a more progressive bench than what we have here in Charles County. Um, I want to have beneficial programs that are gonna help people as they come through our court system. And the programs that I'm speaking specifically of is that one is a juvenile mentoring program um, where uh, when juveniles come through our circuit court system, I can establish and help them get mentors assigned to them. Because what I want to do is reduce the recidivism rate among juveniles and get them back on track, particularly so I won't see them in adult court. And another initiative that I'd like to do is um, adult drug court, for people with minor drug offenses. And I emphasize minor. We want to be able to get you into an adult drug court to be able to get you uh, the treatment that you need in order that, again, reduce the recidivism rate so you don't elevate to more serious crimes. And um, I'd like to find additional ways to incorporate mediation into our court system. Now, when I say that, I do not mean criminal cases, of course, because you can't, I don't believe in mediating criminal cases. Um, so, will I'd like to be able to find other ways to incorporate that. And the third reason why I want to uh, be on the bench and serve as a circuit court judge in the Charles County community, is, I'd like, is that there are so many ways that I've served in my community. I've uh, done uh, Charles County work for Alzheimer's. I've um, sat on the board of directors and the advisory board for Sage Point Senior Care Services, the ethics board for the Charles County school system. I've served the homeless with beautiful and colored women. I'm on the Morgan State University, I'm sorry, a member of the Morgan State University Alumni Association where I serve as on the bylaws committee. Um volunteer for McConkie One Room School, which is a historic school, where they uh, educated African-American students before segregation. Uh, I'm sorry, when when the schools were segregated here in uh, uh, Charles County, and I'm a member of the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. And I say all that to say, these are ways that are served in my community. And I believe being on the Circuit Court bench is another way for me to give back and serve my community more.
0: Um, this is me saying this. You do not have to touch this one because you're running for a judgeship and it could show a little bias, but you do not have to touch this. So once again, this is me saying this, not Adrian, uh, mm-hmm. that MPD chief, this is in D.C. and I get it, but he's talking about Prince George's County, which Prince George's County, and Charles county, Maryland, um there's some distance away, however, the sentiment you know gets spread that he came out and he said earlier this week uh um Robert Conte the third who i um I know of um if he sees me, he knows me, I used to work alongside him, I've encountered him many times uh, again, I don't think he will like know, hey, this is Troy, however, but he's familiar with my, my um we're familiar with my face, and I'm familiar with him as well, however, he came forward this week and he said. Um, you know, these juveniles, he came down real tough on it. And I'm, right. I'm thankful that you said recidivism amongst juveniles because, um, you know, we're in a pandemic and everyone agrees that the science says, you know, wear a mask, it can prevent you from getting COVID. It's one of the layers of protection. Um, yeah. The science says, if you get your vaccine, it's, you know, less spread. I'm not a scientist, I'm just saying, you know. And if you disagree with all that, science taught us that gravity exists however when it comes to children for some reason people who are in the capacity in in the legal capacity to punish children all disagree overwhelmingly that the brain doesn't develop until it's 26 so you'll see you know a 15 16 year old being charged as an adult and i'm like they're still a child yes they committed quote unquote, an adult crime, there's still a child that, you know, 11 years from now, they'll look back and say, what did I do? You know, I I see too often, um, you know, sometimes I watch first 48 and the offenders are 19 years old and they'll come up at the end and say, oh, they got 30 to life or they got life. And I'm like, such a baby. I remember myself when I was 19. Um, You couldn't see anything past Five feet of you, like all you saw is yourself at nineteen years old. So thank you for <laughs> recognizing that juvenile doesn't mean when you turn eighteen. That's that's a that's an ideology that was created by society, but science says the brain doesn't develop until it's twenty six years old. And I would argue that even at twenty six years old, you're still figuring out life. My mom told me uh, one day. Uh, you know, when she obviously just years ago, but you know, one day when she was in her 40s, I was saying to her, I was saying, Mom, like, you know, I, I was mentioning something about knowing yourself, and she said, Son, I'm 40 years old, and I'm still figuring myself out, right? And that was, you know, a couple <laughs> years back or whatever. So, thank you for recognizing that. Again, you don't, you do not have to touch that. So, uh, I just wanted to lay that out there if, if you don't want to touch that. But jumping over to the adult court side, you mentioned substance abuse and, you know, reducing serious crimes. Uh, you know, I believe a lot of times judges are put in positions where they're only seen as one thing, that they sit on a bench and they just give you time. But I, from what I understand, you're coming from, um, you're coming from it from a perspective of compassion for the community while maintaining safety, because you mentioned you separated substance abuse from criminal, no?
1: Yes, I, you know, and I realized that there are certainly, there are hardcore criminals out there. We're not talking about those, that classification of individuals. We're talking about people with minor drug offenses that um, have perhaps committed a crime and we believe, I believe that um, they can be rehabilitated in the sense that they have a drug problem. And perhaps if they get the help that they need through adult drug court, um, we will not see them elevate in the serious crimes that they've committed. Um, I had a situation where I, uh, I, the case started out in district court and I had a client who did have a drug problem and he wanted to pray a dr- jury trial. So we found ourselves in um, the circuit court and there was really no program for him at the time to be able to help him. We tried very hard to find um, um, you know something that would help him in order that he wouldn't come back into the system because he obviously had a drug program, a drug problem. So um I think an adult drug court would certainly be advantageous uh, again for those with minor offenses, drug offenses, um in order that they don't elevate into the into higher committing more serious crimes. I just think that would be beneficial,
0: so you know a circuit court judge, um is it different to maybe a senator? that gets, you know, states, nah, not state, a U.S. senator that gets six years, um t- you know, a, a one term lasts six years or a congressional rep that gets a two-year um term. So d- would you be serving a four-year term or a two-year term? And do you have to be reelected again? Is it like once you're elected, you're in there or you continuously have to run?
1: Well, it's a, for a 15-year term. And you have to after 15 years, my understanding, you have to run again. Um, So it's 15 years.
0: So as we see, you know, where the country is heading right now, it's that, you know, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, the administration as a whole is geared towards nominating a black woman to the um, Supreme Court. Uh, the yeah. very first time this will happen ever, ever, ever. And, you know, just imagine a country that has a over 200 year history. They're like, wait, oh, here's a black yeah. woman. Again, this is me saying that, not you. Um, mm-hmm. So is it what are you familiar with the makeup of the court? Because, you know, if, if you are the first, if you are the second, um, there's a saying that one is a quota, um, you know, two. No, it's a, it's it. A, one is a, one is a token, two is a quota, three is the norm. Again, this is me saying this, not Adrian. So, okay. even, even if you're the first person, if you're the second person, what's the makeup of the court that you know you will be bringing the change to? Because what happens here, right? You know, as a whole, I think that you know we haven't done a good job, you know, in civics teaching people that. It's about every single one on a ballot. It's about the judge. It's about the president. It's about your local rep. It's about your commissioner. It's about the secretary of state. Everyone Mm -hmm. plays a part in bringing about these progressive ideas, you know, to use the term that's generally acknowledged, progressive ideas to the uh, to the table. However, if I'm the only person bringing these ideas, then I end up in a system that's just perpetuating over and over. So do you mind breaking that down for us?
1: If I understand your 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 question, I will say this. I do think at this point the good thing is um with respect to the circuit court, the Charles county court system is is diverse at this point um when it comes to um, females and just the overall diversity of, of individuals. but I will say this i, I again, I've stated this and I, I'm happy to say it again I just Think we there's some things that can be taking place with our court system, with and that other jurisdictions are doing to help people um, get back on track in life, um, and I think that that is something that I would like to be able to focus on. I think we can be more progressive, uh, like I said, with the adult um, drug court and with the with the mentoring program and juvenile system. I think that's where we we can have more more progress to be made here
0: in the county. Um, have you been canvassing? And what is that like with voter education? Because, again, you know, you, you knock on someone's door, hey, I'm running for delegate. Hey, I'm running for state senator, which, once again, this is me. I feel like the state senators in Maryland don't do any door knocking. And please, please at me with the um with the yes, they do, um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm going to keep calling this guy out. And once again, Adrian, this is me. This is not you. Uh, this individual, Ron Watson, that's running in Maryland, uh, he said he sent out literature to 1,000 people. These are the people that voted in the primary. I don't know about you, but I know about math. And I know where I live, there are more than 1,000 people living in the district he's running. So if there's 1,000 people voting and you sent it to 1,000 people and only one person call you of those 1000 people however he's done no outreach but yet he wants my vote um i uh, you know and i think it's real disrespectful when you run for office and you don't knock on the people's door who um who are going to vote for you and you know um and i've mentioned this to you part of my gripe is people who run for office uh you know they'll go past an apartment complex that has you know 100 200 people and we'll just pick it out and say maybe there are 100 votes in there and we know local elections are won on very small margins some people win local elections on 40 i i uh, Shabnab Ahmed she ran and she lost by 44 votes right and you know if i if i knew then what i know now i would have asked her did you go to any uh, apartment complex in Prince George's County, so my question is, if you're canvassing, what's that like?
1: It's been difficult to canvass now because of the winter months and the weather, we've been having a lot of, a good amount of snow, ironically. So I haven't been able to uh, necessarily go through the door, but trust me, I have been talking to residents, um, to voters, and I have been getting tremendous feedback from them. And one of the things I, I, and I enjoy doing that because I really believe people uh, need to be connected, public servants, we need to be connected to the people, find out what their concerns are, and I'll even direct it with respect to the court system, find out if they've been involved in our county court system or judicial system, find out what their experience has been, find out how we can improve, and it's been a great experience for me because Many of them um, love the uh, recommendations or the things that I'd like to establish, I could say. In the court system, I've gotten great feedback. I've also been given feedback on other ways to improve. I had an extensive conversation with one young man and it was such a pleasurable conversation. He said to me, Ms. Davis, when you get on the bench, one thing I just ask that you do, make sure that you look at each case Um, separately and make a fair decision. He said, because not all cases are the same. And even though I knew that, uh, particularly as going back to my prosecutorial days uh, years ago, I try to treat each case differently and sift through the facts and know the law, this individual only, um, he solidified, he confirmed to me uh, what I've always believed all along. And he began to talk to me about how both of his brothers were involved in the judicial system and how he just thought, um, you know, p- judges made decisions in both instances based on just regular, uh, you know, as if they were just regular run of the mill individuals and didn't really consider certain facts of each case. Now, of course, I'm not being critical of judges in any way of the judges or, or the system. But I will say is. Um, I, I just enjoy talking to people and finding out their concerns because he's just one example, Troy, of an individual that I've spoken with. So to answer your question, yes, I've been talking to people in, in our community and the residents and connecting with them. And um, it's just been a, a insightful experience because I enjoy talking to people, listening, and finding out their concerns. And I've even been talking to public officials about um, some of their concerns, too. So um, I think it's also beneficial because it's going to make me a, a, a great judge in the long run.
0: It's so much that when you're running for office that you learn, you know, the campaign I volunteered on for over a year that, you know, I was speaking to people. You know, I remember this one woman, you know, called her up, was doing calls. And, you know, just having a conversation with her. And she was like, Troy, I can't afford cable, you know? And I was like, what? And, you know, she mentioned her salary. And I was like, and it gave me a perspective because it's the things that you, you yourself may think that benefits someone, like, you know, like, you know, beneficial to you, excuse me, you think that it's beneficial to you. And you're like, someone else is struggling to do this, right? You may be driving home and say, you know what? I want to stop and get something to eat. It's only you in the car. Right. And you're like, I'm going to go get something to eat. You go to McDonald's. I haven't been to McDonald's over a decade, so I I don't Mm -hmm. know. I don't know how much it costs, but however, I'm guessing, you know, a a full meal is probably 10, $11. Right. Mm -hmm. But now you put two kids in the car with you. um, It's difficult. Right. So now Mm -hmm. I'll bring that full circle. The young man who said, focus on each case on a case by case basis. Mm -hmm. you. You look at the person who comes in front of you and you say, hey, this person is a first time offender and I'm I'm going to give them six months. However, he's the breadwinner or she's the breadwinner of the home. So now they're in they're in locked up for six months and they lose their home. Their kids have to go stay with someone else. A defense attorney somewhere has to become a guardian of a item for the kids to go in a home where it's beneficial because one of the parents is locked up and the other parent who may not have been making as much as the breadwinner does not have the home to provide. So that's a very good point. And um, if you want to elaborate on my point, you can go ahead.
1: Um, You know, I I just would go back to saying that each case is different. Uh, I I try to um, pride myself on being a very good listener, being knowledgeable about the law And listening to the facts and just being, overall, just being very fair and impartial. And I just think that's gonna make up a good judge, an
0: excellent judge. Definitely. Is this something, uh, I probably should have said this at the beginning, but I feel like it's better said at the end is this something that as a little girl Adrian was like one day I want to be a judge like is that like you saw yourself doing this or this is something that just sort of fell in your lap like it, because listening to your background uh between you mentioned blessed uh, a couple of times so obviously you're someone who's involved with church you're involved with the community whether it's um uh, you know, just volunteering—is this something that you know your life naturally went this way, or you were, as that little girl playing with the dollhouse and Cole Poughkeepsie, you was like, I want to make a <laughs> difference in people's life lives this way.
1: Well, that's, that's a good question. Thank you, Troy, for asking that. You know, as a as a young girl or a little girl, I always wanted to be an attorney. I always wanted to help people. I've always wanted to serve and boost. Just do the best I can to help people from a legal standpoint, because honestly, I didn't really know of any attorneys that really looked like me or and I just I, so I really felt the the passion um, within to uh, help from a judicial standpoint, from a legal standpoint, I should say, I'm sorry. And so I always wanted to be an attorney since I was maybe around nine or 10 and that goal had been accomplished, but I think what the impetus was for me actually wanting to become a judge is I clerked for judges, excellent judges in Prince George's County. And you mentioned um, the experience. You, I believe, you've talked about how you were able to go into the courtroom. And you were able, as a paralegal, um, to to expand your your, uh, experience. Well, these judges poured into me as a person and uh, one, actually more than one, they would allow me to go into the courtroom and observe. And we talk about cases in the chambers. And I remember one judge in particular that I clerked for as a judicial law clerk, he would say, he would quiz me. Why did the attorney do this? Do you think that was a good idea adrian and we would talk about cases, and it was almost like he was grooming me for such a time as this and so that i think was the impetus when i worked for judges i had an idea or more than an idea i knew the, the makeup of what good judges look excellent judges look like i knew their roles at that point point. and uh, like i said this was 25 years ago then i decided Okay, well, if you want to explore this trouble, become a judge, then you're going to have to make sure, that you are well prepared when you get to that point. And that's where my experience comes in as a um, civil litigator, criminal litigator, you know, family law, everything that a judge does, almost everything, I can't think of anything that a judge does on the circuit court bench, I have had the pleasure of doing uh, as an attorney over my 25 years.
0: As the young kids say, awesome sauce. Uh, We'll wrap up with this. Uh, If you had to pick one song on your playlist, what would it be? Uh, The tagline of the the podcast is the only political podcast for the hip hop generation, or I've dropped the podcast part and I say, politics for the hip-hop generation so if you have to pick one song what would it be
1: um i think for me it would be ain't no stopping us now i don't know if the hip-hop generation knows that but they're always still playing this wherever you go ain't no stopping us now um um if you don't mind troy may i add something to to that also before we conclude oh yeah if go, it's okay. for it. go for it yeah You know, one of the things that I'd ask uh, voters to consider when they're going out, selecting their candidate for judge, particularly in Charles County, I'd ask that they first look at the professional experience that a candidate has. Do they have the jury trial experience? What type of laws have they uh, practiced in the past? And, And the second thing I'd say is what is their platform? I told you about my platform with respect to juveniles and a mentoring program and an adult drug court and mediation with the exclusion of criminal cases. So those are the first two P's. Professionally, what have they accomplished in what areas of law? What is their platform and the provision? That's the third P. What have they done to make Charles County uh, a better place outside of their work? I have poured into this community as much as I could. And so with respect to professionally, uh, my platform and the provisions that I've made uh, to, to this community to make it a better community, I am asking people for their vote. And so those are the three three Ps I ask people to consider. Um, but to go back to your question, Joy, I would say, you no know, stopping us now. Um, that's the song that, uh, that comes to my mind. When when you
0: ask that question, hey, look, the hip hop generation did not come out of nowhere, right? That that's a song that gets played all the time. What uh, Dr. King's Holiday? Uh, they had a march for you know to deliver voting rights. So I went out there. I did the march. It was led by his son, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The third. Well, no, not it can't be Jr. Dr. Martin Luther King the third. And he, he uh, after he finished his speech, that was a song that was played. Uh, August twenty. 20- I think it was 2002, that, no, excuse me, we're in 2022 now, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> August 28, 2021, there was a march for voting rights again uh, after Al Sharpton finished his speech. That was the song that was played. So you're right. It's kind of like a, you know, get up off your, get, get up out the seat, um, you know, head down to the voting poll and cast the vote for Adrian Davis for Circuit Court Judge. That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying and anybody who wants to learn more about me can go to my webpage, page which is adrian davis the number 4 judge.com and they can learn more about me.
0: Awesome. Thank you Adrian. I really appreciate it. Thank you for doing this interview. You took your time Thank out you. I hope I did I hope I did your campaign justice and as always when you hear people on here and they shout out their website it's not sh- only shouting out their website for you to learn about them. Uh, you grassroots candidates, they need money to run for office and you cannot run for office without some sort of money. And most of the people who come on, they're not taking a million dollars. They, they they're literally running a grassroots movement, even using some of their own money. So yeah, go to Adrian, uh, Davis, the number four judge.com and donate and help her become a judge. That's going to be fair. And she has experience to do so. So thanks again, Adrian. I really appreciate you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you, Troy, and I hope you have a blessed
0: day. Likewise. Thanks, Adrian. Thank you. Cool interview. Always support your local candidates. You know what I mean? I really feel like, you know, the Democratic Party as a whole, they're always like, yo, down ballot, vote down ballot. Now, nah, it's up ballot, right, because we saw in 2020, November 2020, People went to the polls. They voted for president, and they left everything wrong because the party as a whole spent all of its money, all, all of it, all of it, on the president, on the senators, and the congressional members. I have never heard a congressional candidate. You know, what I mean, big up, like a city council member. Like I've, you know, I've watched so many campaign speeches like and I'm I'm not talking about you know when they first come on and they're like oh John Smith over here Jane Smith you know Rachel you know Stacy Smith you know I'm not talking about that and they say oh thanks for having no 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 I'm talking about in their speech the first 20 minutes they're bringing that person up and say you know stacy smith is running for city council and she's on the democratic ticket go out and vote for her they do that in colorado then they go to california they do that they do that in louisiana they do that right it's like they spend all their money on those top candidates and also um it's it's and then they pick and choose right uh, One of the and once again, this is me. This is not Adrian saying this. One of the things uh, I remember a- Amy Lundgren, I think her name was she was running out in um Kentucky and she was running against Mitch McConnell. And I I remember I remember her running and listening to her talk. And it was like she just wasn't a good candidate. And I'm just sitting there like, you know, um, I'm just sitting there like, yo, this is not a good deal. But the Democratic Party ran with her. Right. And she ended up losing because, she, you know, she was pandering to Republican voters. Amy McGrath, Amy McGrath. And just that she was really um, she was like the she was the Joe Manchin of Kentucky. She was trying to run to be senator to beat beat mit, beat Mitch McConnell. Or excuse me. Addison McConnell, his mama named him Addis, Addison. And I'm going to go with Addison. Uh, senator Addison McConnell. And she was pandering to Republican voters while towing the line on the Democratic voters. And you'll see, there's not, mark my word, there is not a Republican sitting elected official that panders to Democratic voters. I mean, like, pander hardcore to them to get their vote, right? However, the opposite is not true. The Democratic Party will have office win by majority Democratic votes, win by majority black people, Latino, Asians, indigenous people. And then they'll still be like, oh, I need to you know, we need to win all voters like, yeah, but you didn't win with all voters. You ran with these specific you won with these specific voters. And I got facts. You have. Uh, uh, what's her name? Senator Kristen Sinema, right? She's not the only one. Like, let's stop it. Chris Kuhn, Senator Chris Kuhn out in uh Delaware. Um, I could keep going. These these people who are Democratic senators who are Democratic representatives, I could go through the list. I could give you about ten of them for real. That they they play this like, oh yeah, I'm cool with like the Democratic Party. Um, another one that fly under the radar is Senator Amy Klobuchar. She plays that like timid. Like, you know, she don't go hard for Democrats. That's my thing. Uh, You have in Minnesota where Amir Locke was killed. And I'll be honest with y'all. Sunday is when I watch, you know, uh, political news. Like I sit down there and I'll hoard all the news. And I didn't see her on multiple news stations talking about this. You know, what I mean, like that's what I'm saying. Like the people who take them there, the Democratic Party. Your base is black people. Your base are Latinos. Your base are uh, indigenous people. Your base are Asian people. See Georgia. You know, speak to your base. You understand what I'm saying? So local candidates is it. How you think these people become senators, governors, presidents? They start at the local level. You know what I mean? So support your local candidates. If you don't have the money, volunteer. If you don't have the time to hit the street, Guess what? Make calls from your home. If you can't make calls from your home, um, you know, t- share it on on your social media. Let your friends know. Go to their website, read about them. That's one thing I do. Um, you know, I'll go to a candidate website and I read. I read every little thing about them. You know what I mean? I go to their I uh, search their name, I go to the Wikipedia. Wikipedia is not, you know, reputable, but it's a it's not a source, but it's a start. You understand? So that's one way. And I just wanted to put that out there. Um, as always, I appreciate the candidates that come on here and the candidates that, um, you know, take the time to entrust me with it. As I'm closing out the podcast, I just got to keep thanking people, because, as I said, you know, pff, I would argue ninety nine percent of the people that was on this podcast. I I don't know them. You know what I mean? I didn't know them before they came on and they took that time out to trust me and say, yo, I'm a, they didn't say this, but you know, once again, everything that's understood do not need to be explained. It was like, okay, I'm doing this interview here. You know what I mean? Like it's on you. Um, I would argue 80% of the people never doubled back. And you know, when I shared it, never like liked the episode, never retweeted it. But I would argue in the early days of doing this, I didn't know about any of that. And frankly, I didn't care. One of my homies, he texted me. I told him I was uh, finishing, I was going to wrap the podcast up and I you know I was just going through the reasons why or whatever and I was like, "Yo, the marketing thing, I didn't really, you know, what I mean, go too hard with." And he he texted me back and he said, "Yo, I don't think you cared." You know what I mean? And I was like, "You know, I was like, "Damn, you're right. I did it." He was like, "Yo, you want you don't want to be on a mass media and they telling you what to say." Right or they they got a sense of your words and if you've stuck around for two hundred thirty six for two hundred thirty six episode, I don't go offensive. You know what I mean? I just have a regular conversation. But what's regular to me and you, someone else may hear and say, well, you know, you shouldn't have said that. You know, can you not say all? You know, can you say some? You understand? So, um, yeah, I I really didn't. You know, I could think back to um, I will go back to one of the interviews I did with a a D.C. candidate, and, um, you know, I'm not going to say her name, but, uh, you know, I think back to those times when, you know, tweeted the interview, uh, they were on social media, they never retweeted, they never liked it, but here's the thing, I'm not saying that to bash her, I'm saying I didn't care, like, I, you know, I was just like, shit, I'm like, oh, I'm doing this, it's all good, I enjoy doing it, Um, there's times that people got back to me and was like, yo, cool interview, appreciate it, thank you, and I'm like, that's what's up. And I, I told this story before in the beginning, people used to like hit me with the political talk and me being me. I used to think it was being real. It was like, yo, we got to hook up some time. Let's do something. And me, I'll be like, okay, cool. Like, you know, in my head, I like, I never like text and be like, Oh, we're going to do that. But in my head, I'm like, Oh bet. They talking about like hooking up and doing something. Then it took me a while to figure out that's just nervous talk. They're just saying that to say that they don't really mean it. You know what I mean? So, um, and you know, like shame on me. I'm, I'm gonna give you a quick story, real quick. Uh my ch- my childhood friend. Uh, he grew up, you know two or three homes away from me, right? He hit me up and shit. He was like, he was like, yo, what up, bro? Just checking in. And I hit him with the question mark, right? And he was like, and he hit me with a street name. I'm not gonna say it. He hit me with the street name, and I was like, oh damn. I was like, what up, son? I deleted your number because every time I reach out. I don't hear back from you. You know what I mean? He was like, life, you feel me? And I was like, I couldn't say nothing to that. You know what I mean? It was like, damn, you're right. But I hadn't heard from him. So I thought the number wasn't working and I just deleted it. Didn't even think twice. So shame on me for thinking like, you know, something of them saying, let's get together because that's not my personality anyway. I'm just always like, don't don't ever tell me anything. Show me everything. You know what I mean? Don't ever tell me, yo, let's connect. Let's politic. Let's make something happen. You know, pick up that phone and make it happen. Don't ever tell me, yo, you're going to do something and don't do, just don't even tell me just do it. And I'm like, oh, damn, good looking out. You know, yeah, let's make that happen. I'm about that action. I've always been, you know, what I mean, but uh, going back to my childhood friend, though, we we, we did talk. You know, what I mean, I know his mama. He know my mama. He know my whole family. Uh, that's my brother. And, you know, and he made me hours later. He made me uh, uh, from the pop politics on on my mnd uh on twitter he made me think of the jay-z line i've said on here often you know what i mean it's a powerful line i personally think that came out of uh jay-z's album i think it was on the magna carta album he made me go look that line up i was like i need that line and that that line goes my brothers is my brother like my brother is my homies is my brother like my mother's kids i'll say it again in the line, Jay Z used the N word, but I say my homies. Uh, he said, "My brothers is my brother, like my brother is. My homies is my brother, like my mother kids." So what he's saying there, obviously, your brothers is your brothers, right? But my homies, they my brother, like my mother's kids. You feel me? So shout out to my homie for hitting me up. He made my day. We grew up together. You know, the streets got a hold of him. He got back. You know, hit the hit the street running came back, you know, uh, two beautiful kids and he doing his thing now out there in Brooklyn. And, you know, and, and, and this is why I'm always like, you know, you know, I heard the saying one time that, you know, no matter what birds fly. Yeah. But they always got to come down to eat. You feel me? And that's why I'm always like, no matter where you make it in life, man, always think of the people who do not have the opportunity you have and reach back and share. Reach back could be anything. It could be money. It could be opportunity. It could be sharing your resources. Always reach back. And I, I I promise you, if you always reach back, you will never be disconnected from the people. The streets will not lie to you. You know what I mean? The streets will be rough to you. Look what they say. You know, people always, when they talk politics, they're always like, the barbershop keeps it real. You know why? You could go in a barbershop you could be sitting next to somebody that's a six-figure person. You could be sitting next to somebody that's a 6 seven-figure person. And then you could be sitting next to someone that make $10 an hour, right? But they're all there sharing ideas, and you're going to hear the core. And here's the thing. The person making $10 an hour, their opinion is just as important as the person that's making seven figures or six figures. But you have that moment, and that's what I call, like, reaching back and understanding. Um, I don't care who it is. Every every person in politics, I don't care who you are, the president, the senator, the congressman, congresswoman, every last one of them. When they sit down and they talk about their lives and that camera follow them around, they always bump into someone that remembered them when they were first running, that they're cool with they're cordial to the point they see them. And it's like, oh, you know, how you doing? Da, da, da. And, you know, the camera will pause and say, oh, I remember when he first for. You know what? that one person gave that elected official perspective their whole career because they know no matter where they go in their career, they got to come back and make eye contact with that person. You know what I mean? And I don't mean to sound corny, but I feel a lot of us, we're on that choo-choo train by ourselves. And that's not how life works. You know what I mean? You got to share your resources. You have to share because if you don't share, um, when, that, when that train comes to that last stop, You're going to be by yourself, you know what I mean? And too often, too many people figure it out before it's too late. If you don't believe me, ask Tiger Woods. When my man crashed into the tree, not the second time, when he got into what he got in, all the media thing, and you know what I mean? And then you got to realize, like, whoa, I isolated myself from the world. So let me go in this corner, sit back, and be quiet. But you know what? If you stay connected when things like that happen, you're going to have people coming forward for you. You feel me? So... That's it, I don't mean to be corny, I don't mean to you know be all preachy and stuff, but I just wanted to share that. Too many people walk around like, you know what I mean, they're hoarding all the resources. Even squirrel take their nuts back home to share, you feel me? So, um, hip hop generation, we out. I'm not saying I'm gonna rule the world or I'm gonna change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the the, the brain that will change the world, and that's our job, It's to spark somebody else watching us. <laughs>